What's up guys? Welcome to the house. Sad news. This will be our last online house service of the year. So please do give a moment of silence with me. Thank you. Uh, seriously though, thanks guys for coming out to these services uh, each week, whatever capacity you've come. We're really thankful for you and we're really glad you're here. If you're new, tonight or if you're you've been coming for a while please we'd love still to get to know you better in these last few weeks before the school year ends so don't be a stranger uh, we know that you got a lot going on on your plates but we are here for you and we love you um, we're really glad that you're here tonight with us if you are looking for more opportunities to connect with people over the summer we will have opportunities with the house uh, so keep an ear out for um, for opportunities throughout the summer um, keep your eye on our Instagram and social media accounts um, we'll, we'll let you know what's going on throughout the summer to stay connected um, this Saturday we've got a cool opportunity uh, to serve it's with Signal Mountain Presbyterian Church and an organization called Kids of Growth It'll be a service opportunity from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. If you want to help out, please DM us through our Instagram, or if you have my number, you can call me or text me um, and let me know that you're interested in helping. If you've ever done SignalServe before, you'll know that it's awesome, a really cool opportunity to uh, work alongside other people in another church, uh, people who are doing good work uh, in their neighborhood. So um, if you want to help out, come this Saturday to 650 Macaulay, the hub, at 830, and we'll drive up together. Or if you want to meet us at Kids of Growth, that's where we'll be meeting uh, and starting our work at 9 a.m. Um, so you can either meet us there or meet at the Hub at 8.30. Now I know what I said at the beginning. This is our last online service, but we do have one more in-person worship service next Tuesday, April 20th. It's going to be awesome. It'll be a cool way to celebrate what God has done in the last year and His faithfulness and a way to close out this year together. Um, and be together and worship him and, and reflect on his faithfulness. So please come out. It's going to be the same place as last time, 806 East 12th Street, 8 o'clock. Be there. It's going to be great. Invite your friends. Tell everybody about it. It's going to be awesome. Now, I know that a lot of you are facing really heavy things ending this year. I know that you guys are weary and you're just plain old tired that school has been really hard, finals are coming up, you got a lot going on. Um, I, don't, I don't know what else is on your hearts, on your plates, family stuff, relational friendship stuff. I know that you, you guys all have things that you're going through right now. And on top of that, we've had things happen in our nation just this past weekend with the murder of Dante Wright. We've had a school shooting 
in Knoxville yesterday. I don't know how these things weigh on your heart. But please, would you take tonight as an opportunity to share the things on your heart with each other? Um, I don't know if you're watching it with others right now or if you're watching it by yourself, but if you have people that you can reach out to tonight, would you, would you please just share your hearts with each other? Right now, uh, before we hear from Kirsten, God's Word, we're going to have a moment just to pause and reflect. Um, we don't get many of these pauses in our lives, in our daily lives, especially with school. Um, so would you just take a second to uh, reflect on the last week? A few questions are going to come up on, on the screen. You just think about them. Um, and then I'm going to pray for us um, as we start our time together. Our Father, you are so faithful and you give us so much hope. In moments that's really hard to hope, really hard to rejoice, I pray that you would uplift our spirits. God, there are many rejoicing in our midst. There are many who great things are happening and they're growing and they're seeing fruit in their lives and it's awesome. And there are many in our midst who are hurting questioning, struggling. We ask that you would be with us. We thank you for the ways that you've showed up in this last week, and we are thankful in advance for the ways that you're going to show up in this next week. May you open our eyes, and may we be eager to see you. May we be, may we be eager to share your love with other people around us know your love. Be with Kirsten now. May your word do its work in our hearts. May our spirits be refreshed and pointed back to you, the God who sees us, aches alongside of us, and loves us. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. What is love? I know if I asked you that question in your group right now, everyone would probably have different sorts of answers. I asked Jax out last night, and he said, love is hugs from mommy, which, you know, 
is the best. But I recognize that actually having different definitions of what love is causes some problems. It can cause people to be manipulated by others, by organizations. It can cause us to feel like we just never know how to love or how to receive love. So I'm thankful for a passage like we have tonight that talks to us about what love is so we can all get on the same page. This, um, the past few weeks we've been talking about love, about how God's love, nothing can separate us from it. We've been talking about how um, God's love came first. He loved us first. And so tonight we're going to look at what the attributes of God's love are so that we can become people who are loving as well. So let's pray. God, um, thank you that you love us. Thank you for this love and this message on um, how to become people who love like you. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains but not love, I am nothing. I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. And we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love. This love is not just a love that comes from desires and feelings. No, it's a love that looks at a big picture. It's one that's filled with choice one that is filled with sacrifice. You may have heard this word if you um, have been in church context a lot, but this word for love here is agape love. It's a sacrificial type of love. It's a love that is committed to somebody else's highest good without any desire or guaranteed reciprocity. It's, a f not, it's not a feeling or desire. It's a choice. A choice for what is best for the other. In our passage tonight in 1 Corinthians, Paul lists off these attributes of love, and then he ends and he says, pursue love. Dallas Willard, an author, says, go catch love. That we are people who look at this list and we go pursue it. We go and catch it. 
I know as a girl, there's a lot of conversations around somebody that's going to come pursue us. But what if we cared more about pursuing love or about whoever we wanted to date pursuing love more than they were going to pursue a date? And when we pursue love, what happens is that we are transformed into people who love. We're not just somebody who's trying to love this person, trying to love this person and doing it all like that, but we are actually somebody who loves. And we're able to become this, to be transformed in this because we see what love actually looks like by looking at Jesus and receiving love from him because God himself is love. The disciple John writes in his gospel account that God is love. So when we read about all of these things that love is, and it sounds like it's talking about a person, it sort of is describing God. And then John later says that perfect love lays down its life for another, talking about Jesus. We see a picture of love that we get to pursue, which is God himself, Jesus, on the cross. Another passage in the Bible, it tells us to be imitators of God, which means that we are to be imitators of love itself. Yet all of these attributes of love are unnatural for us. They're not things that just come, oh yeah, I'm just going to not be envious, or I'm just going to, No, insist on my own way. These are all things that we have to be trained and learn. I have done ballet for years, and ballet is not natural, and it's really hard. But I have to watch other people do it to make it natural. I have to practice it and train my body and be, like, critiqued on if I'm doing it right and wrong. And I've got to be trained and, and do it consistently, otherwise I lose it. And it's important for me to be trained in this because I need to have my movements become natural. So I'm not just thinking about everything I'm doing. I can then think about all of the other things. I can enjoy what I'm doing. I can be at peace and be present. And in the same way, this unnatural way of love can become natural for us. And as it does, we experience more joy and peace. And yes, a whole lot more love. So we're going to look at these attributes that Paul breaks down. And we're going to just look at them quickly. But I would encourage you to do a character study on God, to deep dive into this passage and find out all of the places in Scripture that God is these things. And then look into your own life and be able to see where God has loved you in these ways. And it's so important to see these things to as attributes of God because it's easy for us to put our own issues with love on God, our own ways it's difficult on Him. But He defines what love is. We get to follow in His footsteps, not Him and ours. So, love is patient. God is patient. Do you ever tell God, okay, I'm done ignoring you. I'm, I'm ready to be obedient. Yet go weeks without talking to Him. Do you judge people quickly without getting to know them? Do you get in a hurry about your own growth until you assume that God is is over, is done with how slow you are taking to grow? No. God 
doesn't have a hurried timeline for you. He sits aside his need to hustle so that he can long suffer with you. Love long suffers. Love is patient. Now, love is not just one thing. It's more like a diamond. Lots of different facets to see that we can't pull apart. So not only is love patient, but love is kind. God is kind. Because he's not just patient in avoiding you, letting you deal with it, but he's patient and kind moving towards you, offering you gifts that you don't deserve. Is it easy for you just to be nice to somebody and polite so it looks good on you, but not for them? That feels more natural. But love is kind. It gives and puts people at ease when they're not giving anything back. Love is kind. Love does not envy. God does not envy. The author of this letter talks, like is using a word more like, you don't want somebody to have what they have. So when you kind of are upset that your friend has a boyfriend or girlfriend, when they get that job, because you want it, you don't celebrate with them. That is our natural reaction. But love does not envy. Love wants the best for the other and wants to celebrate what that person has. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. God does not boast. Even in small ways, we see ourselves or others trying to be seen as better, even in our own minds. Other people are less than us. We are better. We want the attention. That feels natural, but love, it boasts in the other. Even God in his perfect love doesn't boast about how loving he is. He boasts in you. Love does not boast. Love is not arrogant. God is not arrogant. The idea here is it's not puffed up, hot-headed. How many times have you thought somebody is full of it when they say they love you? That it feels like there is this competition, this race, and somebody is going ahead of you and leaving you behind to struggle. That is natural. But love comes alongside of us. God has and is coming alongside of us. Not putting himself over. Love is humble. Love is not arrogant. Love is not rude. God is not rude. It does not make people uncomfortable in a negative light. It is gracious. It doesn't use other people as a scapegoat. It doesn't use God as a scapegoat, as an excuse for things. Love does not use rudeness to put others in their place. That feels natural, but it sacrifices its own desire for vengeance. Love is not rude. Love does not insist on its own way. God does not insist on his own way. This one is so hard to sacrifice the way we think things should be done and to look to the way others may see it. 
How often are you in a conversation and people get defensive or just trying to prove that they are right? But what love does is it doesn't try to prove it's right. It comes and discovers what is true. Even God, whose way is good and perfect, allows us to choose. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable. God is not irritable. That's hard to believe, right? That God doesn't get irritated with us because we get irritated with ourselves and so many things around us. I was about to scream at my dog the other day because he's whacking on the floor. That is natural. But God doesn't get irritated with us. Love doesn't get irritated. Oftentimes, irritability comes from unresolved anger, so love addresses anger when it arises. It is slow to anger. Love is not irritable. Love does not keep a record of wrong. God does not keep a record of wrong. We have lists in our heads of things people have done against us. We hold on to things, say, you've done X, Y, and Z, so I'm not going to trust you. This causes our trust problems. It feels natural. But God says our transgressions, he puts them as far as the east is from the west. He does not hold a record of wrong, but forgives. Is not resentful. Love does not hold a record of wrong. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It's not easy to speak up, to speak truth when we know it may affect us. And it's not easy to create boundaries when our pride doesn't want us to. We naturally have two different languages that we often find ourselves speaking. Truth without love, a language of a bully. And then love without truth, the language of a codependent enabler. But what happens when we speak love and truth together? That is the language of love. Not of gossip, but embracing the truth, sacrificing so that truth may be seen and rejoiced in. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. God bears all things. The image here is a roof over somebody's head, holding and covering anything that may come. As hard as it may be, it does not leave. When people screw up, it does not leave. It holds those things up, which doesn't feel natural because we want to avoid the mess. But love comes alongside and bears all things. Love believes all things. God believes all things. We get nervous when we think people might know everything about us because then they won't love us. They won't believe in us. That if they were to know that I couldn't do this or I chose this, it's done. But what love does is it believes all things. It believes that that next step is possible. Maybe this person has fallen down so you believe that, okay, they can get here next. And then they can get here and here. Believes all things. 
even when it's hard. Love hopes all things. God hopes all things. Even when that thing you have believed in falls, it hopes in redemption. It hopes for more for that person. It does not give up. It does not get out of there. Love looks for the best in others, believing that there is always more, always better. And we don't like hoping because we're afraid of disappointment. But love sacrifices that risk of disappointment and hopes all things. Love endures all things. God endures all things. No matter what has happened, love steps in there, comes alongside, suffers with. Isn't it easy to head out when it's tiresome and it's taking forever? That's natural. But love endures all things. Love never ends. God doesn't end. It is the thing that never ends, that never goes away, that we have an eternal God. And that never ending is with us right now. It's not just in something to come, but it is here now. We've seen marriages and we've seen relationships and friendships end. So it's not natural for, for us to, to see this, but love never ends. And to clarify with all of these things, like I said, it is a, it's like a facet of different diamonds. We can't separate one from the other. And so sometimes love does mean removing ourselves. Sometimes love does mean creating boundaries because we don't rejoice with wrongdoing as we are kind. They all go together. And you will learn this more and more because the more that you are loving, the more you are receiving God's love. And you are understanding your value, that you are worth this love as well. And so you are able to stand solid as you are making these choices to love. We see in all of these attributes of love sacrifice, that agape love, putting the other's highest good above self without expecting or desiring something in return. It's committed. It's not just a feeling love. We see all of these as unnatural without training for us. Even in my marriage, I'm still learning and practicing and being trained in love. Being trained about times that I need to just be patient and not say something. But then being trained at times that I need to speak up and speak truth. Times that I need to wait and endure or times that I need to be kind and do. We are all being trained up into love. And what we realize is as we are trained by love that, that we don't just have like a patience problem or an envy problem. We have a love problem. That when we find ourselves not being kind, we look inward and say, oh my goodness, I'm not being kind because I'm not loving. 
oh my gosh, I am insisting on my own way because I'm not loving. As we practice love, we become people who love. And it's hard because you're not going to feel like it all the time. Even for people that you really like a lot, you're not going to feel like not getting your desires. You're not going to feel like, yeah, insisting on your way, being patient, enduring, hoping. You're not going to feel like these things. But that's what this is. It's a choice. And for me, that feels way more powerful. It doesn't steal the romance out of it. I mean, I'm an Enneagram too, so sacrifice is part of my nature, I suppose. But when somebody sacrifices for me, chooses to love me, I recognize that they actually are loving me, not just doing something for themselves. So it's a choice we make. We, we choose to pursue this love. We put it on like clothing. As we put it on, as we act it out, we begin to be transformed. Because we are engaging in the love of God, we're practicing it, we're experiencing it, and so then we are being changed by His love. That He is giving that to us as we give it out. We're experiencing the love of God as we give it. He's sacrificing for us, we're sacrificing for others. It's a pretty beautiful picture. Putting on love is practice. You're not going to be natural at it at first. But keep choosing and keep sacrificing. This weekend at my house, everyone but me got the stomach bug. And it sort of felt natural for me, I actually did, to make a pallet on the floor and sleep with London so she didn't choke on her throw up. And it felt natural, not fun, to clean up all the vomit from laundry and toilets and all of that. It felt sort of natural for me, yeah, it did, to blow dry all of Jax's stuffed animals that I had to wash because they had throw up on them. I needed to blow dry them because if you air dry them, they just get hard and so they're not soft anymore. So going the extra mile totally felt natural. Now, did it feel natural for me to not get to go to the wedding that I wanted to go to? but to stay home with them while they were sick, that was harder. And as I was sitting in all of this, what I began to ask myself was, would I be willing to do this for somebody else, not for my family, for a stranger, for somebody that I didn't really like? That would be much harder. That is what love is supposed to do. It's who love is for. The other, the stranger, the enemy. Yes, and the friend. Because love is our tool of evangelism. If we don't even know exactly what love is, how in the world is the rest of the world going to know what love is? Why would people love the church if the church didn't embody this kind of love? it's hard when you have your own issues, when you have your own reasons why you don't want to love somebody or to be kind to somebody. But it's sacrificial. 
And what if we flipped the question? The question being, well, what's going to happen to me if I love this person? How's it going to affect me if I love them? But if we flip it and say, what's going to happen to this person if I don't love them? What's going to happen to them if I don't love them and I see them sitting there? Us loving others is how we share God and His love with the whole entire world. Paul ends by going through, he goes through these attributes, right? And he says that nothing else matters. If we don't have love, that anything you do is pointless without love. So take a look at your life. Are you doing things for people but not loving? Are you using your gifts of hospitality and teaching and leadership but not loving? Are you spouting off scriptures but not loving? If so, it's all pointless. You need to change your perspective. Become somebody who's filled with these attributes. Be someone who is patient and enters into suffering with others and waiting. Be someone who is kind and moving towards people, offering them gifts, not expecting one in return. Be someone who doesn't want less for another, but wants the best for them. Be someone who uplifts others, not trying to beat them, win over them. Be someone who is humble and sees others in their best regard. When you love, you'll be someone that addresses anger when it comes and not irritable blowing up at another. You'll be someone who forgives and believes in change, even when people may continue to hurt you. When you love, you'll be someone who speaks the truth with love. You set boundaries, you don't gossip. You'll talk highly about others. You'll enter into life with another, bearing burdens for them. You'll believe in the best. You'll hope for the most. You'll stick it out even if it means it will be for a very long time. You share a love. You'll share the love that Christ doesn't end. And this is the love that will fuel everything. That will give the things you are doing, the people you are spending time with, a point. Because without love, it's all meaningless. So, go be trained by love. Experience God being love. Know that love never ends. So go and catch it. Amen. Tonight in your groups, I want you guys to talk about the part of love that feels the most unnatural and why. And then I want you, this is the last YouTube house of the year, hopefully the last YouTube house. Um, we're going to meet in person next week. I'm pretty jazzed about that. Um, but because you guys are the last time meeting together in your watch party groups, many of you have been spending the year together. And I want you to talk about where you've seen the attributes of love in each other, in the group, and how that has affected you.
if you are new to the group or if you are um, by yourself watching, I want you just to think about where you have seen the attributes of love around you affecting you. Um, so, what part of love feels the most unnatural? And then, where do you see these attributes of God's love in those around you and how has it affected you? I'm really grateful for all of you guys. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for everyone watching tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to experience your love by practicing it. Train us, teach us. Help us run and catch this love. We love you. Amen. Have a good night. See you next week in person.